We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, uh, out in Ashburn at practice, um, some notable things here. Chase Young is not here. It has nothing to do with the knee, I've been told. Chase Young... Fighting an illness, like everybody else. Uh, Non-COVID-related illness expected back at practice tomorrow. Who else is not here? Antonio Gibson, not here. If you remember yesterday, we played Ron Rivera's press conference. He was asked about Gibson, and he said he has a sprain. We asked Ron to clarify what was sprained, and he said he wouldn't, that the information would be available today. And now he is missing practice. So... Whatever is sprained, and he missed practice time last week with a foot issue, clearly it's not getting better. And if you go back to Sunday's game or Saturday's game against the Niners, um, you know, Gibson was getting – he didn't – I don't want to say definitively, but I know Jonathan Williams went in late and was getting some work – probably instead of Gibson, so certainly something to keep in mind there. Um, All right, Ben White is joining us in about 20 minutes from Politico. We're going to talk some money. We're going to talk some commanders. Um, Right now, though, we do it every week. we got to go through our NFL power rankings. Um, Every week we use NFL.com. We think, for better or worse, we believe that that is the least kind of hot takey of all the websites. And just the, the best way for us to figure out who are the best teams in the NFL. I, dude, I'm getting closer and closer to thinking I might put the Bengals at the top of my list, honestly. I, I think the Bengals are just red hot at the right time. Um, I'm not sure who they have, but let's all find out together. Damn. NFL.com says the number one team in football that would be the San Francisco 49ers. Niners just stomped on the Commanders. They write, the 49ers are a fully formed death machine destroying everything in their way. The defense is led by Nick Bosa, who likely clinched NFL Defensive Player of the Year honors with a dominant performance in Saturday's 37-20 win over the Commanders. Bosa finished with two sacks and a forced fumble and now has a career-high 17-and-a-half sacks with two games to play. Brock Purdy, meanwhile, is 3-0 and as a starter after another productive game that featured two long touchdown passes to George Kittle. He's just getting the ball to us, Kittle said. He's great with the football. He puts it on target. He allows guys to run with it. This is exactly what Kyle Shanahan asks from his quarterback in this offense. Number two in the NFL, Landfill's Eagles. Even after a loss, um, they write, the Eagles delivered a competitive effort with Jalen Hurts sidelined on Saturday, but the Gardner Minshew-led offense was unable to close out the NFC East and clinch the conference's number one seed with a 40-34 to loss at Gerald World. Star right tackle Lane Johnson was forced out of the lineup late in the game, and Monday it was learned that Johnson will miss the rest of the regular season and perhaps more time after suffering an injury in his abdominal area. 
replacing one of the game's elite tackles will be a major challenge for the Eagles, who are also waiting to see if Hurts will be able to return to action on Sunday against the Saints. Landfill, where is your concern meter on your Philadelphia Eagles? Even if you get Jalen Hurts back, you, you lose Lane Johnson is a really big deal. Uh, yeah, first off, it's not if we get Jalen Hurts back. It's merely when. Uh, but, yes, Lane Johnson, uh, I don't feel good about that. I saw a statistic. I'm not exactly uh, sure who it was from. The Eagles are something like six, a 600 team with Lane Johnson and like a 300 team without him. It's uh, not good. I don't. Uh, I think Zangaro put that out. Yeah, I don't feel good about that at all. Um, dude, I don't. I don't want to get ahead of my skis here. I might like the Saints getting six and a half, especially if that gets to seven. I don't know, man. I one thing that is so weird about the NFL is that teams that start out red hot rarely finish red hot and i i just wonder if the eagles maybe like peaked too early and, and maybe that's silly to say they're 13 and 2 they've lost two games all year but are, are you do you feel as confident today as you did a month ago um no i mean i don't know how you can the starting quarterback even though i'm certain he's coming back he is currently injured and the you know, Lane Johnson's hurt as well. I don't know how you could feel as confident, but right, well, I'm still confident, just not as confident. I mean, Lane Johnson's going to miss serious time here. I mean, it sounds right. like he could miss playoff time. Yes. Um, now, if they are able to maintain that bye week, would probably help them a lot. But Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder, right? Like, he's a big, strong, tough dude. But if his shoulder's hurt, he's probably going to get hit and driven down on that shoulder again when he comes back. That sounds like, like targeting to me. Should be some ejections. Uh, I'm not worried about Hurts, though. He can he can win with his legs. We've proven this. He's proven this over and over again. Sprained shoulder, no sprained shoulder. All right. We'll uh, look, see. If I, had, if I could, I would give him my shoulder so his wasn't hurt, but my shoulder's also hurt. So, What's wrong with your shoulder? I think I slept on it wrong. Sounds like a bad injury. Just like staring down a defensive lineman. It's rough. I know what he's going through. Prayers up for Landfill. Um, number three team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. Um, they write, the Bills won in the trenches at Frigid Soldier Field to clinch another AFC East title. Um, the Bills are running the ball really well. Um, Devin Singletary and James Cook in that game combined for 205 rushing yards and two touchdowns. The Bills D did a good job against Fields in that game. Um, one thing they mentioned that that B Mitch has been on all year is just that Josh Allen, he's just kind of reckless, man. He he throws some crazy passes out there, and you, you can't throw crazy passes next month. You can throw them this month, but next month things get a lot tighter. Number four should have been number one to me, the Cincinnati. Bengals. That Week 18 game against the Ravens is going to be awesome. All right, number four, Cincinnati Bengals. A very strange Christmas Eve for the Bengals, who dominated an overmatched Patriots team in the first half, then needed a New England red zone fumble in the final minute to escape with a 22-18 win at Foxborough. Cincinnati safety Von Bell forced Ramondre Stevenson fumble and sealed the victory, which kept the Bengals in the hunt for the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. Cincy needs to get better results on the ground to keep their balance 
their offense balance. They're averaging three yards per carry on 24 carries against the Pats after 2.5 yards per carry week 15 against Tampa. They're they're winning big week after week, but they had bad news when they lost Lyle Collins, uh, who plays right tackle for them, out for the year with a torn ACL. Let's be real about the Bengals. Their defense is much better than you think. They've got good linebackers and good good edge rushers, and they get good play on the at their corners. But this team is Joe Burrow's guts and good wideouts. Like, and it got them to the Super Bowl last year. That the Bengals are a team I would not want to play. If you're looking at the AFC playoff picture, the Bills are twelve and three. The Chiefs are twelve and three. The Bengals are eleven and four. Like that number one seed is truly up for grabs. Whereas the Eagles, Eagles are thirteen and two. The Vikes are right behind them at twelve and three. I wouldn't be stunned if the Vikes catch them, but then the Eagles have the head-to-head tiebreaker. <laughs> I think the Eagles are just beat up enough that, you know, something could get to them. But the if you had to, if you had to pick a horse, Landini, for who gets the one seed and in turn the bye in the AFC, who are you picking, Bills, Chiefs, or Bengals? Uh, the Bills are currently uh, in the lead there, right? Yes. Because they have the head-to-head over KC. I'm going to go with them then. It's so late in the season that with two games left, I think you just go with the team that's ahead. And then the Bills are very good. They have the tiebreaker. I'm going Bills. Bills are very good. They have the tiebreaker. Um, I don't know what those schedules look like, but they're all going to have a division game to end the season. Um, And I just think KC's got easy division games. Um, but I think you're right. Just take the Bills, take the Eagles. It's so close to the finish line that it's hard to see either of those teams like kind of floundering. Um, NFL.com goes Bengals 4, Chiefs 5. The Chiefs had a good win over the Seahawks. I feel like they needed it, man, because going to overtime against the Texans and just that KC team, I, I don't trust that defense at all, but their defense looked pretty good. Um, Against Geno Smith, Andy Reid said, I mentioned it the other way the last couple of weeks that they need to get better. They're making progress, and I thought they did a nice job today. Um, If the Bills slip up and lose, Chiefs win out. They could get that one seed. I feel like the one seed in the AFC is going to be really important. You'd love to not have to go on the road to Buffalo in what inevitably will be two feet of snow. Um, Number six, you got the Cowboys who just beat the snot out of the Eagles. I think that's a fair spot to put them. Um, but, dude, one thing to keep an eye on is the Dallas pass rush. They have one sack in the past three weeks. And Micah Parsons, you know, for the first half of the year was totally the front runner for de- defensive player of the year. He's completely been replaced by Nick Bosa now. Um, and I, one thing I liked about Dallas's effort against the Eagles is Dak threw a pick six. Like I think they were down double digits in that game and, and came back to, to win, um, showing some, some real guts in that game with a coach that I don't think a heck of a lot of. Um, Vikes at seven, who made a 61-yard field goal to beat the Giants 27-24. to Lanfield, why do you think the Vikes don't get a ton of respect? Is it because... They barely win all their games, and the point differential's so low. Yes. Or is it Kirk? Like, what is it? 
Yeah, do you remember a few weeks back there was that um, that graphic floating around Twitter? It was what the records of every NFL team would be if uh, all of the one-score games went differently. And the Vikings would be something like a two-win team. Um, I think most people recognize that one-score games are basically coin flips, and the Vikings have just been repeatedly winning coin flips. They're really not that good of a team. They're capable of losing to absolutely anybody in the NFL, um, and eventually their luck's going to run out. That's why they're not getting the love. I mean, dude, they are 12-3 and three and plus five points on the season. That's astonishing. Whereas the Niners are 11-4 and four and plus 145 on the season. Right. I mean, your Eagles, 13 and 2, plus 137. Cowboys, 11 and 4, plus 131. I mean, it's just astonishing. All the other teams that have double digit wins, <clears throat> the Bengals and the Ravens are under 100, but still way on the plus side of this thing. The Bills are at plus 157. Chiefs are at plus 106. I mean, it is. Truly remarkable that the Vikes are 12-3 and three and have a plus five point differential. But at the same time, there's great value in winning one-score games. Ask, ask freaking Taylor Heineke. I mean, that's what the commanders, by and large, have done. I'm looking at, at the commanders' wins are one score against the Jags, certainly one score against the Bears, one score against the Pack, one point against the Colts, then they had a one-score loss to the Vikings. Um, the only game, so they had a, a double-digit win against the Eagles on Monday Night Football, a double-digit win against the Texans, a one-score win against the Falcons, then a tie, then two L's. So what is that, five of their seven wins are one score? It's a razor-thin margin, man. Um, so let's scroll down here. Vikings at seven. Chargers at eight, Jags at nine. Damn, the Jags at nine. Nobody wants to play the Jags in the playoffs. They are red hot. Ravens at 10, Lions at 11. Where do we think the Commanders are coming in? 16, maybe? I think I um, looked. Yeah, it's it's 16 or 17, something like that. 16 for the Commanders. They've dropped two in a row. NFL.com writes... Ron Rivera pulled the trigger on Saturday, benching Taylor Heineke in favor of Carson Wentz in a 37-20 loss to the 49ers. Heineke is a fiery competitor but also plainly inconsistent, and his struggles in the red zone might have been the final straw for Rivera, who will likely stay with Wentz in the final two weeks of the regular season. Now the commanders must hope that Wentz can overcome the hot and cold style of play that has defined most of his own career. A sour end of the season could center a sour end of the season under center could prompt a complete reboot at the position in the offseason. Sounds right to me. I, I mean, 16 is exactly the middle of the pack in the NFL. And I'm not sure I agree with all the teams in front of them, but I mean, they beat the Packers heads up, but all of a sudden the Packers are a way hotter team playing good defense, and, and Rodgers is dialed in again. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Christian Watson, the rookie wideout for Green Bay. But the commanders sit only a half game up on the Lions, the Packers, and the Seahawks. Maybe the Giants will lose out and make this thing even more interesting, but it's uh, of the Giants, who the commanders have played twice in the last month and have tied and lost to, 
NFL.com writes, getting beat on a 61-yard field goal at the gun is a helpless way to go out, but Brian Dayball's team could have triumphed at U.S. Bank Stadium with better execution in the final quarter. A dropped interception, a pick from Daniel Jones, and a blocked punt all came back to haunt the Giants in a 27-24 loss to the Vikings. Jones was excellent overall, completing 30 of 42 for 334, while Saquon Barkley added another entry to his comeback player of the year, Dossier, bursting through a stack box on fourth and two to score the touchdown that set up the dramatic two-point conversion to tie the game late. The Giants can still clinch a playoff berth with a win over the lowly Colts on Sunday. I think it's entirely possible the Giants finish the season with the comeback player of the year in Saquon and the coach of the year in Brian Dayball. Um, I think both would be incredibly deserving. If you're looking at coach of the year around the league, I think you got to talk Sirianni. I, I think Kevin O'Connell should get talked about. I, I get that they're winning one-score games, but that doesn't change they're winning them. Um, and then, you know, maybe you want to talk McDermott in Buffalo, but I, I think you could make an argument for Doug Peterson if Jacksonville gets into the playoffs. He has turned that thing completely around. But – I Dayball, that Giants, I think the Jags had talent and were just underperforming. I think that the Giants team, when you watch them, they've got some players on defense, but they don't have a heck of a lot of talent for them to be competing at, at the level they're at. Who would be your coach of the year, Landy? Sirianni, baby. I believe it. Of course your guy is Sirianni. Um Let's do this. Ben White from Politico will join us next. We're going to talk to Ben, his feelings on the move to Carson Wentz, plus what we should expect financially in the new year. We'll get back to the phone lines a little bit. Tim Murray's joining us at 1 o'clock. We'll get a Murray moneymaker for the week. Don't go anywhere. It's B. Mitch and Finley. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know that song. You know what day it is. You know what time it is. It's time to talk to our friend, Mr. Ben White, Chief Economic Correspondent for Politico. You see him all the time on CNBC and MSNBC. Ben, thank you for joining us, man. I'm going to start with a question that I've been asking on the phones. Are you surprised by the move to go to Carson Wentz, and do you think it's the right move? No, and yes. Um, you know, I think we've sort of seen the evolution of this as we've talked and uh, spoken sorry, every week about the QB situation, and I said if uh, Heineke figured out a way to lose the job and the team started losing and he started playing kind of poorly, you know, you got Wentz on the sideline. If he's healthy, you put him back in, and now's the time. I mean, he had his opportunities, and uh, it's not working out. The Giants uh, game obviously was uh, pretty depressing, uh, and now uh, they have to absolutely win the last two to go to the playoffs. So roll the dice with Wentz and see what you get. You know, I mean, I think you probably beat Cleveland and then see what happens uh, against Dallas. But, uh, yeah, it's the right move. They got to do it. They got to shake things up and try to get back on a winning track and see if you got a guy who can complete some of these Deep balls and medium balls that uh, Heineke keeps missing out. Do you think once Wentz was healthy, do you think at all Taylor was like looking over his shoulder and that, I I mean, 
dude, he really didn't play bad against the I, I think he had the best half of football he's had all year against the Niners in the first half. He he got them out of some pretty tough situations with did, a lot of good throws right. on third down. But yeah, yeah, it, it seemed like they were just waiting for the chance to get him out of there. Right. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I got frustrated at that, uh, uh, I guess, yeah, second half of the Niner game. But you're right. Uh, on the first, and and maybe they were. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he was looking over his shoulder. He doesn't strike me necessarily as a dude who would do that so much. You know, um, I mean, it's natural for anybody to take over the number one job. The guy who left it is still hanging around. You're gonna have some thoughts, but it just seemed like maybe he was going out there and playing ball and tossing it around. Maybe he did, but I, I didn't get that sense from from watching him play and. Yeah, you make a good point about the uh, first uh, you know half and, and 49ers and Heineke and, uh, being a quick hook, but it didn't feel that quick to me. If you got playoffs on the line, things are really clearly not you know happening. You got two games left, got to win them both. I mean, if Wentz goes out there and he sucks, you know, the first uh, half against Cleveland, maybe Heineke comes out and saves the day. You never know. But uh, all in all, I, I think you know pulling the uh, trigger on on uh, going back to Carson at least giving him a look uh, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's not a – excuse me. It's not like an incredibly difficult position Ron's in to, to make this move because yeah. in the last month they've lost twice and tied, and the offense yeah. is incapable of scoring more than 20 tough. points. Um, yeah, which I don't know. I, man. I, I, it seems like a Scott Turner problem to me uh, to, to a large degree given at least my you know assessment of – the play calling uh, in some of these games lately. Like, I don't want to blow the guy up, but it's been poor. Dude, you know what's funny is I was just watching practice and kind of talking with David Aldridge from The Athletic, and and one thing that's interesting kind of doing the radio show now, and I guess I've done it for a couple years now, but um, because of the interaction with callers, right, and and then you add in the interaction of social media, I feel like I get a pretty good sense of where fans are at. And I think by and large, fans are – not I, and there's always outliers, right? There's probably ten percent that's crazy pro Heineke, ten percent crazy pro Wentz. But by right. and large, in the middle, I don't think fans are expecting a tremendous amount of difference between the two of no. them. And and when you look no. at the numbers, they're they're wildly similar. But I do think yeah. fans are growing wary of Turner. I, I think you have to be, um, you know, given some of the uh, the weird run plays they do, all of the stuff for uh, Samuel. I mean, I understand wanting to get him the ball. It, it never works. And, uh, you know, I feel like they have a lot of weird uh, goal line uh, calls and not just, you know, uh, efforts to jam somebody in. Um, I, there's no flow. There's no uh, kind of natural rhythm to it. They don't get into quick, uh, you know, uh, strike mode very often. And um, I just, it's it stuck and it's not working very well. And the weapons are there for it to work better than it does with, you know, Robinson and Dotson is now blowing up and just unbelievable, and you got McLaurin. Um, you know, there, there are players there. Granted, you don't have a super dynamic quarterback in either of those guys to, to execute, but it, I just find the play calling to be stolid and, and stupid and uninspired and at times, frankly, baffling. I, I uh, You got two fourth and shorts in that Niners game, and you're, you're super – Big, tough running back doesn't get either of the carries is I mean, one thing that yeah, That's my out kid. You know, 13, 14 years old, whatever. I should know how old he is. He's 13, by the way. Um, it's like, <laughs> you got B-Rob. Like, just let him run. He will kill people. 
He will like absolutely murder <laughs> right. people to get a yard and get in the end zone. And I don't mean like you know use that word lightly, you know, because he was a guy who got shot. But uh, right. he is a beast. I give him a chance to beast it in the end zone at least once. My God, I mean, it, I, it drives me nuts. Uh, and I thought we were sort of over it a little bit, like it was red zone woes for years, uh, and now we kind of got him back. And just this a failure to get it in all these drives over and over and then drive stalling out, you know, on third down plays, like it's just, uh, it's killing me. So I do agree. Everybody I talk to who's re- like a real red, a real uh, commander fan immediately say, ah, Heineke, you know, whatever, uh, Wentz, whatever, get rid of Scott Hearn. Like I just can't take it anymore. So I, I think you're right about public opinion on that. Uh, we're talking with our friend Ben White. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Morning Money Ben, uh, Chief Economic Correspondent for Politico. Um, I do have to ask you a question about your Instagram, sure. but uh, let me ask you this: How confident do you feel about a two-game winning streak and getting into the playoffs? Uh, not very. You know, I think it's probably a one-game winning streak. I think it all. Well, I don't know. It all depends, but. A lot depends on what the Cowboys are playing for, you know, in the final week. Is there a division title on the line? Is there a playoff seating on the line? Like, all the decisions that will flow from that um, make a big difference to whether they can do it. Like, can they beat Dallas with Dallas going 100%? Um, yeah, they can. You know, anybody can beat anybody in this league uh, one week at a time. That would not shock me for them to to do that. Uh, do I expect them to? Not, not really. Um, I figure they'll... Beat Cleveland and lose to Dallas or put us all out of our misery and somehow blow it to the Browns. Um, but, but I don't have a, a real strong feeling that they'll, uh, they'll pull it off. But, but, but they could if Dallas hits everybody the last week. Yeah, I, I'm terrified of this Cleveland game, man. And, and maybe yeah, that's just too much. I don't know enough about much. Cleveland to know how dangerous they, they are. They stink. They stink. Yeah. That's what you need to know. And this team has that's a very poor record of performing against bad teams. You're right. Yeah. I mean, um, but are they bad enough that like you just – roll guys out there and beat them or uh no they're not houston bad like houston is bad and lacks talent like this team has some talent they got some players uh right are are you nervous at all that carson does enough to come back next year (laughs) yes a little bit nervous about that like just enough i mean i doubt it you know it doesn't Seem likely to me, you know, as he blows it, uh, blows it up kind of in those two games, and maybe they win a playoff game, and he's like Mr. America again. But I think he's had enough opportunities to show whether he still has that in him, that one great season uh, arm and uh, ball security and all the other things in him, and he, he hasn't done it. So I don't think he's like the world on fire, but maybe, yeah, maybe he doesn't have to hang around, and then you know we move on to like what's next? Who's the next? I don't know anything. Jimmy about Garoppolo, young guy right now. So, um, and then who's in the draft? I have no idea. The future of quarterback, as has been the case for seemingly 50 years in uh, in D.C., you know, continues to be a complete and utter mystery. Yeah, well said. Um, all right. All right. I, I want to switch to your professional sure. area of expertise. That is yeah. the U.S. economy and how the political world impacts it and everything. Um, how about this? And usually you and I – you know, kind of text about specific topics. But I was thinking because, you know, the new year is coming. What do you expect in 2023 economically? I got you back, man. I'm sorry. I'm I'm at home and it's one of these deals. We give Bluetooth speakers that, like, always steal away your audio from you. uh, Oh, yeah, I do, actually. So another speaker or whatever. All right, so go, go. Sorry, I missed uh, half of that question. 
it's fine. It was too long-winded anyway. 2023 is coming. What do you expect economically next year? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really worried about recession. Um, I think the Fed might go too far on interest rate hikes, and we get to this point where, um, you know, uh, people sort of run out of money they had during COVID. Uh, recession begins a little bit, employers stop hiring, and then people, don't, consumers don't have a lot of cash in their pockets. But I don't think it'll be a bad one. You know, I think maybe we get, you know, a quarter or two of negative growth, unemployment goes up a little bit, but there's nothing big, huge, fundamentally wrong with the U.S. economy, you know, and there's some good stuff coming online with uh, new incentives for green technology and infrastructure spending, and there's good stuff there and still some fire, uh, you know, some uh, uh, gunpowder, uh, you know, and balance sheets and people having money in the bank at the higher end, not the lower end. Um, so I think we slow down and Fed rate hikes really start to pinch, but inflation comes down along with it. Uh, maybe we get a couple of negative quarters and a light recession, but uh, uh, generally we, we crank along. Nothing's going to shouldn't fall apart in any significant way, just because there's no financial crisis, there's no you know real estate bubble blowing up, there's no fundamental underlying uh, problem, huge problem. There are tons of problems, but not one massive one that we have to dig out of. So, speaking of digging out, like what happens to? the airlines after kind of the disaster of the last week like is there any recourse whether it's government or or money like does the stock drop like southwest yeah. canceled like four thousand flights like how yeah. is that possible yeah it's possible I mean, when you have like this ginormous massive i, I know the storm yeah crushing the entire country i mean that that uh, you know i to be honest with you like i'm off this weekend not Working and I haven't been traveling, so I'm not deep into the airline woes story, though I know there have been massive cancellations everywhere, um, and, and everybody's pissed off, and, and they should be pissed off. I mean, it's frustrating to have a system like this that uh, gets so snarled and then piles up on itself. Like, it, it isn't, um, you know, there can be beautiful weather somewhere, but you got three stops down the line in Chicago, O'Hare, where you got 50 planes backed up by the storm, and then that ripples through the system. It sucks. And the airline industry sucks, and it's been a mess forever. And uh, profit margins are uh, almost nothing, and that's why they, you know, throw little pebbles uh, instead of uh, at you and rocks at you in the plane instead of giving you peanuts anymore. Um, <laughs> charge you for water. Yeah, exactly. Charge you five bucks for a uh, Evian, uh, you know, two ounce uh, vial. But the um, uh, fact of the matter is, it's a, a lot of big time problems with uh, how all of the uh, big carriers are run and how the system is structured and why we need more high-speed rail and a better infrastructure network to get people around faster and more, you know, quickly improved airports and uh, air traffic controllers. Man, it's a huge, huge, big mess, and it, it breaks down if you get a storm that size uh, with that spread over the country, uh, both north to south, you know, Canada to, to Miami. I mean, you're going to get some uh, yeah. serious weather delays, but it does and it's a mess. Give me high-speed rail from D.C. to Boston and San Fran to San Diego, and I feel like you'd alleviate yeah. so much of this stuff. Um, all right, yeah, last totally thing, i got to let you go, Ben. Yeah, buddy. I, I, I would never get into your pockets, but yeah. you're an incredibly smart person. You, 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 you are a, a big-deal economic reporter. <laughs> I, I watched you. you on Instagram wash like 50 dishes in your sink. Do you, yeah. do you not have a dishwasher? <laughs> Are you worried about my well-being, man? I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, dude, we got to uh, get you. I'll yeah. start a GoFundMe to get you a dishwasher. Yeah, no, it's funny you 
say that because I didn't even occur to me until at the end of it because I haven't washed the dish and well, no, I shouldn't say I washed dishes, but you know, put them in the dishwasher and cleaned them off and, and and done done my duties, but not above and beyond. I just I fell in love with the place that I got uh, now on the river. I wish I you know we were on TV. I could show you. My dad well, I've, I've seen the pictures. The it's, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. One drawback was I, I didn't. Be, I couldn't believe it. It had no dishwasher. Um, and I thought, well, that's not that. I could wash a dish, you know. Like I'm, I'm a, you know, a, a man of the people. It's how big a deal is it? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I hate every second of it. <laughs> I never want to do it. That's why they pile up like that, like they did. And I thought, you know, the only way to make this tolerable to get through is to have some fun with it, make this uh, TikTok video. And, and that worked, and I got it done. But, yeah, that's the it, reason. It was funny. It was perfect apartment, but no dishwasher. Is, I, I'm guessing, because you have that view and everything, my guess is, like, it's historic or something, so you couldn't just bring one in, right? Uh, yeah, I probably could. You know, I haven't really thought about it. I'm sort of, you know, between houses now at the moment. Yeah, so it gotcha. was more of a, a park and uh, uh, hang between the two. <laughs> And, you know, I got to be honest with you uh, that I don't cook a ton. And I get, you know, I get hella fresh. I try to make those. But I don't make up a lot of dishes, so I don't do a lot of dishes. This was post, uh, you know, holiday kids here and other right. people here. And I just kept piling it up. So then put the Benny Hill well, theme song on. Check it out. So Morning Money fun. Ben. Yeah, go check that. The uh, yeah, check it out at Morning Money Ben, dude. I appreciate you making the time, especially if you're taking yeah, the week of course, off. Of uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and yep. maybe we'll be talking next week on the eve of a win and in game against the Cowboys. Yeah, there you go. I mean, this has been a roller coaster ride up and down. Maybe we get one more up, right? Let's hope. Thank you very much for Let's the time, hope. dude. All right, brother. Have a good one. Merry Christmas. Bye. Happy. Happy New Year. That's our guy Ben White from Politico. Check him out at Morning Money Ben. Coming up, 1 o'clock, Tim Murray will join us. But before we run, i got to tell you about Oarsman Automotive of Virginia. Oarsman's been serving customers in the D.C. area for over 100 years. And they've got locations all over northern Virginia. They Alexandria to Chantilly, that is a big, big part of northern Virginia where they got you covered. Selling a variety of domestic and import vehicles like Toyotas, Kias, Fords, Lincolns, Jeeps, Dodges, those Ram trucks, Chryslers, Chevys, Buicks, GMCs. They've got incredible deals, great selection, fantastic financing, which is important right now, and exceptional service, all backed by the exclusive Oarsman Lifetime Edge. With up to fifteen hundred bucks in bonus extras, including complimentary car washes with all of your scheduled maintenance, loaner cars, and the Oarsman Lifetime Engine Guarantee. If you bring any car to any Oarsman Virginia store, they will buy it, regardless of make, model, or year, and they'll pay up to hundred twenty-five percent of Kelly Blue Book value for your pre-owned vehicles. As they like to say at all of the Oarsman Automotive of Virginia stores, let's ride together. Get a deal done, but at, at this point. I mean, Payne is two games, maybe maybe three or four or five, who knows, but he is this close to unrestricted free agency in a year, in a league where interior pass rush is becoming more and more valuable. He's had an all-time career high sacks number with two games to play. Um, I mean, he could get to double-digit sacks as a D-tackle, which is pretty damn remarkable. Um He's at nine and a half on the season. His pre- his previous high was five as a rookie. Watch out for the Duran Payne payment plan because it's about to get ridiculous. He's gonna get paid, dude. Um, maybe they can keep him here, but they got a lot of decisions to make. Uh, also, landfill. This stat 
that I tweeted out from Matt Mayoko, not good news for the commanders. Not good news at all. What's the um, stat? Hit me with it. Commanders have a huge game Sunday against the Browns. This is from Mayoko, who does a great job covering the Niners for NBC Sports Bay Area. Mayoko writes, the Commanders have a huge game Sunday against the Browns. They will be looking to do something no team has done this year. Win in the week immediately following a game against the 49ers. Everyone that has played the 49ers this season, the following week, are 0-13. That just tells me the Niners play a soft schedule full of weak teams. That means nothing. <laughs> 13 games is a pretty pretty wide uh, body of work, dude. It, it could also tell you that the Niners play incredibly physical football and teams are beat up the following week. And that for the bulk of the teams they play, it's probably a really rough travel week. They get to play the Cardinals and the Rams. They both suck. They play bad teams. Meaningless stat. Commanders over the Bron- well, the Browns. They played the Chiefs. Okay, they they're good? good. Played the Dolphins. They suck. Played the Chargers. They're not good. Played the Seahawks twice. They're not good. I don't know that that stat tells us a lot, but it. I think it's more than the complete dismissal you're giving it. Complete dismissal. Just You're like I'm giving Brock Purdy. You're at zero out of ten, correct? Zero. I think I am at three out of ten. Again, what are we even arguing about here? You agree with me. No, you're at zero. I'm at three. That's a thirty percent difference. Irrelevant. Um something that could be relevant. Remember how good Armani Rogers was earlier this season mm-hmm. at tight end? Yep. He's he's been uh he's returned to practice. He could help, man. In an offense that needs whatever help they could get, he could help. So, uh, you also get Tarek Castro Fields back to practice. Cornerback that I'm not sure can help, but our Money Rogers might. Let's do this. Our guy Tim Murray from Vison joins us next. Don't go anywhere. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.